yourself come back to your room and give Marilyn an opportunity to bring up the spiritual practice. We'll just start with practice right away because we need a lot. Or not. Or not. So, actually, it should be kind to others. But you can be kind to as, as Daniel mentioned. A little nicer, a little gentler. I love how he and I are resonating on this point today. I love it. Such an inspiration. Uh, it makes no purpose. Love is our strength. So we're going to talk about how to strengthen our deciding powers today. So be kind to others. It's, it's simple. And it's really important to focus on the second part, which is to be even kinder to yourself. Because when you are feeling whole and loved and secure and knowing your true sense of being, that you're able to give. Because your cup runneth over. You know, it's, 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 uh, it's always easier to give things away when you're full. <laughs> um, you know, it's like, I can give you a, a dessert after I've been to the buffet. Maybe you never fight. And so really, that's why we want to focus on tuning into the love channel. Because in order to be kinder to to others, we need to fill ourselves with the love. So what is this love channel? So I, I have an interesting relationship in my own spiritual practice with the life. I always come back to uh, Marcus Gord. I don't know how many of you are familiar with Marcus Gord, but he's a, uh, he's, he's passed to the, whatever, the Rainbow Bridge for Humans. Um, but he is a religious scholar, was, and has written a lot of books. Like, for example, this Kundalini might be full of sacred. I'm not going to talk about all that. And, um, but the thing that he says somewhere If I can give up my attachment to the Bible being literal truth, I can begin to appreciate the profoundness of truth in prayer. And, you know, sometimes we make the Bible... Remember when Moses left all the people down in the valley and he went up to the mountain and they had a conversation with God? And eventually he's going to come back with, well, according to Mel Brooks, he came back with 15 commandments. Um, then he dropped one and like, oh gosh, 10. <laughs> uh, I do love Mel Brooks. But while he was gone, what did the people do? You know, well, in the absence of leadership and guidance, they created uh, an idol to worship. And guess, again, I don't really think that's what we're supposed to do. And yet, I see in the way we operate how susceptible we are to creating idols. Because in the absence of, of, of something, we'll find something and we'll put our energy to it. And sometimes those idols are things like politicians or certain material things that we're trying to contend with. And we, we end up loading a lot of energy into that. And I think the Bible runs the risk of being an idol. Because way back when, 
supposedly way back when, God was way more accessible than he is. Like, they could just, like, they were on, like, the fat phone, you know? Yeah, what's up? You know? And I always chuckle when, when it was funny, you know, God's all-knowing, all-powerful, and all that, and he comes to the Garden of Eden, and he can't speak his words at him. Like, come on, you're pulling my leg a little here. I mean, doesn't he know? How can you know everything and not be able to find Adam? So I'm a little irreverent, possibly, but I, I bring these little points up to say that let's not fall over ourselves taking the Bible too literally. Having said that, I want to read some things from the Bible. Not bible much of the time, but I want to talk about the love story. So I'm going right to 1 John. My favorite verse, God is love. But I'm going to read the context around it. So I'm going to start chapter 4, 7 through 12. Beloved. Oh, by the way, I, I read from the New Revised Standard Version. It doesn't Beloved, let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, for God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. So God is love. So simple, right? And yet so complex. I mean, love is not simple. Anybody care to argue with me? In fact, I did a talk last year. I think it was here, maybe, but... I think it was, a, I'm sure this is not the complete list, but there's like 11 different types of love. You know, we've got arrows, we've got agape, we've got filial, and there's a bunch of others that I didn't even know until I started researching for the talk. So I think of love like Eskimos think of snow. Like, I've heard they've got like 50 different words for snow. Somebody told me that's not right. But if you walk around in, in a wonderland, can see that there are a lot of different types of snow. There's, there's fluffy snow hanging on pine boughs. There's sort of that frozen, refrozen tracking. I mean, there's a lot of, and I think if I'm an Eskimo and that's my milieu and that's where I live and that's where I have to express myself and live and survive, I, I got to understand the impact of different types of snow and how I got to respond to it. So, we're not Eskimos. In fact, again, as I continue to learn, my current understanding is maybe the word Eskimo is not even an appropriate term. So forgive me for that. I'm a child of my upbringing. I try to understand my context more. But we live in the world of love. I believe that my existence is evidence enough of God's love. How is it a miracle of me? Nothing. When I say me, you think you, it's me. Right? Yeah. Anytime I say I or me, 
in, in a lot of, um, you know, I sort of think it's funny how a lot of uh, certain types of Christians, they don't like Jesus. He's a bad guy. He's the villain in the story. Anyway, the same way that um, the Jews are also bad, right? Because they killed Jesus. Some people, right? Talk about different. I, 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 this doesn't doesn't make sense to me because first of all, first of all, we all know Jesus was absolutely a Jew. Okay, so there's no idea of a Christian for like another seventy or eighty years, and some of the people start calling people in Antioch and Jesus Christians, and you know, everybody's a Jew, and they're all looking for the Messiah to come. Still, the Jews. I'm reading a book right now called Rebbe. Thinking he's the Messiah, you know. But way back when, two thousand years ago, some people said, "Oh, we found the Messiah. It's Jesus." They lost their train of thought. That's okay. It's going to come around again. I, I want to come back to the, the whole idea of, of Jesus. Maybe it's not where I'm going, but it's where my notes were. So let's go there. So Abraham. So while I was um, when I got introduced to uh, the idea or the, the legend, the myth, the rabbi myth, and what they call the Rebbe, and uh, now I'm reading this book about his life. It's very interesting how much he's encouraging people to do what? Be kind, loving. You know, so much of that, and, and we even call that the golden rule. But again, I've mentioned it before, I'll, I'll come back to it a little bit later. We really want to focus on moving to the platinum nation, which is to treat others the way they would like to be treated. But in order to do that, we're going to need to tune into the love channel. I want to get you into the love channel in a moment. I want to talk a little bit about Abraham. Because Abraham's the father of the big religion. Islam, Christianity, Judaism. Probably never heard, <laughs> but we're just going to go with the story because when I was in this very sacred uh, experience a couple weeks ago, I uh, had a Shabbos in, um, an opportunity to lead a workshop that was built around a Shabbos in Judea, which is not a not a heavy religious structure, but also a lot of spiritual uh, practice as well. And I was an observer to most of it. But during the Shabbos dinner, the first big dinner of the Shabbos, one of the People stood up and didn't really talk about Abraham. He did a beautiful job. He shared some information I was unaware of. What you're aware of, I bet, is that God on the hotline that was on said, Yeah, you're great, and I promised you the world, and I changed your name from Abram to Abraham, put the, the energy of God into you, and you're going to be the father of all nations. But in the meantime, I'm not quite sure if you love me enough, so I want you to take the son that you waited over 100 years to have. He's a teenager. They're tough, so I'm going to help you here. And I want you to take Isaac to this mountain, and you're going to build an altar and you're going to sacrifice your son to me so that I know you love him. 
y'all heard that story before? Ridiculous. Again, literal truth, I'm not sure, but there's just some profound truth there. Anyway, we know what happens. Isaac lives. And uh, some kids join up on his feet or whatever. And they've taken his place as a surrogate sacrifice. What I learned about Abraham, because when I read that story, it's pretty cut and dry. Okay, God, I'll do it, you know. And, and you don't really see Abraham other than this absolutely devoted Now, I don't have access to the information because my version of the Bible doesn't have any information about the emotional connection between Isaac and Abraham. But I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to my Orthodox friends that there, there it is, their story. And what he shared was, even in the midst of the highest honor that could probably befall an Orthodox Jew, the opportunity to show their devotion to God by giving them to God the thing most cherished by them, Abraham wept. He wept for his son. I believe that. If the other story is true, I believe that part's true too, even though they don't mention it in chapter 22 of Exodus or Genesis. Because we can't get past the human part of who we are, which is tough. And that whole concoction, whatever you want to call that story around Abraham, that's the first covenant. Because of Abraham's devotion and loyalty, God promised him the world in return. And so, what are we celebrating about? We're celebrating the coming of the new covenant. Some people try to tell the story that the new covenant is just an analog to the first covenant. That yes, Abraham didn't, God stopped Abraham from sacrificing his son. Not that can't be God moving. But God went the extra mile and sent his only begotten son to atone for us. So what we're celebrating, what the new covenant is, is what Jesus said, which is that love each other. Yes, love God. And what does loving God mean? To me, loving God is opening up to love others. The Christ is the living spirit of God. And the living spirit of God is what vibrates through us, as us, and from us. Everything that you see and experience in this universe is formed from the love of God. That vibrational energy of giving and creating. Creation comes from love. That's why it gets a little uncomfortable talking about Judas, you know, because he's the bad guy and, and all that. But also, you know, there is the energy of Jesus. It's right here. It's in this. You know, a lot of schools won't even let you talk about the separation, right? Why do we feel awkward about it? Well, 
is this is where the, the passion, this is where the energy, this is where the miracle of life that we truly don't understand. It, it comes from here in a material element. But it's more than that because, you know, sex is a physical act. But love is a spiritual act. And we're all, I don't care how your parents were, maybe they were the most loving and intentional people on the planet, and maybe you just said, man, they would have just met at a bar one day. I don't know. There's a lot of rain. The stuff can happen. But what, what I choose to believe is even in the most tawdry examples, life comes from intention. Life comes from a higher consciousness. And maybe it's beyond our ability to understand exactly what's going on. It may look faulty. <laughs> it may look wrong. And it may look lofty and, and high consciousness. But the bottom line is, life comes from into the love channel, that higher vibrational energy, remembering who we are. So, be kind to others. Be kinder to yourself. And I want to give you some tools. Especially, be kinder to yourself when you've found the awareness that you've been unkind to someone or something. Because that's the moment when you need the love is what you're going to do. You're going to feel like you sinned. You're going to feel like you did wrong because you weren't perfect in Daniel 3 when he said that. You weren't perfect in that moment. And you're going to do what? You're going to beat yourself up. Not necessary. That's the moment when you need the love channel the most. That, that pure light vibrating in you and know that you're imperfect. Yeah, you probably screwed up. It's not what you've done that matters. It's what you're doing. And if you're in that low vibrational energy of shame and guilt, it's so hard to have your cup run us over and be loving to others. So that's when you've got to so in the most spiritual level, the love channel is that new covenant. Jesus came not to be a surrogate sacrifice so God could be okay with our bad He came to be the sacrifice of risking his life, which he did, and rebuilding. Because we just probably couldn't take that much love because we were so in our vibration of not being able to handle the way we were. Whoa, dude, that's a little too much. We're going to blow the whole game. So we got him away. But guess what? You can fill it. You can stop it. Because love is at last from the inside. Christ is at last in us, with us, through us. So that's the high why of the love channel. But I want to just talk for a moment or two about kind of the more mundane. Because you try loving people. And <laughs> right? I mean, 
you're child-loving people. So first of all, I want you to give yourself the benefit of grace. Because how in the world can you be expected to express and demonstrate unconditional love when you may not have ever experienced it yourself? Or not much of it. You know, so I go to thinking about the unconditional love of God, or if I get dyslexic, the unconditional love of dogs. And I was thinking about that because a lot of us will say, and it's kind of tongue-in-cheek, but it, again, may not be literally true, but there's still profound truth in the unconditional love of dogs. All right? Because that's the best I've gotten. I gotta say, Mickey's been pretty good, right? I mean, she's she's been the best for me, and I've had I've had some success with that, so I'm not complaining. But the dogs, you gotta work really, really hard to discourage the love of a dog. And and, and by the way, though, well, first of all, I just wanted to say as a caveat, I'm not really a cat person. I love cats. I don't currently live with a cat. I've lived with cats. You may have the same experience with cat cure mediums and love channels. I'm good with that, but I'm going to talk about dogs because that's what I know. Hard to discourage the love of a dog. But you can do it. Hard to discourage the love of a child. And the boy, that's so tough. He keeps going. I've met dogs that are afraid. I've met dogs that, that, that run away because they've been abused. Sometimes they've been abused so much they become cruel. Be kind to others. You don't know what they've been through. This is where I'm coming back. I, sometimes I say I'll come back and I forget to come back. I'm coming back to the platinum rule. Love people where they're at. Because sometimes we just feel like we got so much love we need to share it. And by God, I'm going to share it the way I want to share it. And you just better love it. Try that with a 15 year old. Love requires humility, it requires empathy. I even thought of the letter. I mean, the thing is, we're, we're, we're struggling to get that feeling of love and wanting to share it and be good at it. And we're finally like, oh, I found it. Here it is. And then we're looking for that reassurance. Kind of like Abraham's God. He needs so much reassurance. You don't need that, though, because Christ doesn't. Listen and look. Oh. We know what we know. What can we learn? What can we see? 
be open and be on purpose. Love, just don't love indiscriminately. Love is intentional. If you look for love, you will find it. If you look for the pathway or the channel for love, you will find it. So listen, be open, be on purpose. D, veracity. This is just a fancy word for truth, right? Look for the truth. It's safety and protection. That's the love part. And then E, effort. Love, as I said earlier, it's not what you've done, it's what you do. But what you're doing is really going to be a symptom and an outgrowth of what you're being. So you work on your being with that love channel through Christ. That's where you do prayer and you do meditation. And then it'll, it'll, it'll show up in your being. But doing takes effort. You know, even enthusiasm. But again, we come back again to also empathy. So when you're trying to dial in your love channel, in the big, big world, so, you know, sometimes we talk about big T truth and little T truth and little, talk about big L. The big L is the love channel where you're bringing the awareness and the knowingness and the lifting up of the Christ energy in your soul and your consciousness and knowing that you are a child of God and an expression of that God, which is love. But the little L is, how do we do that on a day-to-day basis? You're never going to go wrong with being kind. If you listen, you'll find it. And you know what? You might try a couple things. They might not go right. Sometimes love for a 15-year-old, or in my case, a 17-year-old, is just knowing how close to get. You know, sometimes we think a hug is love. And by God, it's good. By the way, I won't be hugging after the service because I'm just getting overcome, and I want to share that with you. That's another form of love, by the way. Boundaries. So we could talk for the rest of the day about all the nuances of relationships and how love shows up. But what I'm saying here is the little L. I don't know how to make it. Here's a big T. Here's a little T. How do you make a little L? Okay. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Um, but look for the love channel in your relationship. Start by listening. this whole game out of pretension. So how about the freedom to just be with each other? You know? And that's what I'm trying to do with my 17-year-old. To pull the heck out of him. I would never put him on an altar and sacrifice him. Because I don't like that old story. I love God, but really? That's crazy. So, but I also know that he's got to be him. And I got to give him that space. You know what? Sometimes people do things and they're like, wow, if we loved them more, we could have prevented that from happening. You're fired from that job. Because that's not kind to you. And that's what I want to finish with, is how important it is to be kinder to you. Because as you made yourself, there's something around that earth that says, I am my own person. If you're kinder to yourself, 
God. And here it comes. Christmas. The vibrational energy of the planet is off. There's a lot of things that don't look like love this year. All the more important to Jesus. Yes, maybe it won't change what's happening in our world. But maybe it will. And Stanley will say, one thing I can do. One thing I can do now. But start by risking loving others. And when it doesn't go quite right, don't judge yourself. Love yourself. Be generous. Merry Christmas.